0: 1 Peter chapter 4, I'm going to read some of chapter 3 so you can kind of get the sense of where Peter is. Uh, There was no chapter breaks when Peter wrote it, obviously, and chapter 3 runs into chapter 4. There's no break in thought, it just goes continually through it. And it's interesting because some of the things that Peter is talking about here are things that we've talked about already at this retreat. So I'm going to begin in 1 Peter 3 verse 13, I'm going to kind of skip around and then we're going to get a running start into chapter 4. So if you'd follow along with me. Peter says in verse 13, And who is he who will harm you if you become followers of what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you are blessed. And do not be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you, With meekness and fear, having a good conscience, that when they defame you as evildoers, those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. For it is better, if it is the will of God, to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. And he says the reason for that. It's better to suffer for doing good than for evil. For, or because, or in the light of this, Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God being put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit. And I'm going to skip down to chapter 4, verse 1. And he says, Therefore, since Christ suffered for us, we've looked at these things. He's talking about suffering for righteousness' sake. Then he says, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust. We were wicked, we were undeserving, we were imperfect and deserving of hell. And Jesus Christ being just, the perfect sacrificial lamb, blameless, without spot or blemish, He took our spot. He traded places with us. That, so that He might bring us to God. He bridged the gap for us. That gap, that canyon, that was just impossible to cross. Jesus, by dying on the cross, made that way for us to be joined back together with God. Being put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit. And he says, therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same mind. Peter is saying, listen... Christ actually went to the cross and was thinking about it the entire time of his existence. This was why he had come. And we need to, and in Philippians 2.5, it says, Let this mind be in you, the mind that was in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking on the, the likeness of men, being obedient to death, even to the death of the cross— and he's saying, you need to have the mind of Christ. You need to understand that suffering, although it may be painful, although it may be, you know, not fun, it's necessary to bring life. And sometimes we suffer for the wrong reasons, and we suffer for the right reasons, and Peter's going to look at those things. But he's just trying to set their minds on the things that they need to look at. He's saying, listen, Christ suffered for you in the flesh. You need to think about suffering in the way that, you know what, this is what Jesus did, so for me to suffer for being like him is actually a blessing. He said, you're blessed. Don't worry about it. If you suffer for righteousness' sake, you are blessed, is what he said in ch- at the end of chapter three. And to arm yourself, we don't really think about getting persecuted. We don't think we're going to get persecuted for doing the right thing. A lot of times we're like, oh man, people are going to you know, slap my hand give me a pat on the back, look at all the good stuff I did. And then if somebody's like, look at that guy, he's like doing good stuff, he's a loser. You're like, what? I don't know. Wait, you're not, if I did something wrong, you're supposed to make fun of me. Not if I did something good. So he's warning, he's like saying, arm yourself, get the real stuff on. And actually in the language, arming, the words that he uses is not like, you know, just protect yourself, but get out the heavy duty armor because the battle is going to be fierce. He's trying to prepare them. Just as you guys are moving into high school. You need to arm yourselves for what's going to happen. Some of you go into secular high schools. Some of you go into Christian high schools where, you know, I don't envy you. Like, oh man, (laughs) like Christian high schools can be just as bad because people are like, yeah, we're Christians, but you don't have to be that Christian. I mean, you're crazy. He's saying arm yourselves with the same mind. Being prepared to suffer as a necessary thing because Christ suffered in the flesh and was made alive by the Spirit. For he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh for the lusts of men, but for the will of God. And what he's saying is, the person who's suffering in the flesh, like really suffering, is the person who's removed himself from a sinful lifestyle, from sinful activity, and now he's bearing the brunt of all his old friends, of all the people that are offended at him and his newfound faith. They're, they're giving him, they're, they're giving them the business, they're dogging him because he ceased from sin. And he's trying to remove himself, and they're the ones that are suffering. And he's, he's saying, it's not uncommon for you to suffer. And he's actually, later on in, in verse 12, he's going to say, don't think it's weird. Because the people that you're surrounded by every day are going to think you're weird for not wanting to do the same things that they're doing. He says, we shouldn't live the rest of our time in the flesh for the lust of men, but for the will of God. Second Corinthians 5.15 says, He died for all so that those who live should no longer live for themselves but for him who died for them and rose again. Galatians 2.20 I no longer live but Christ lives in me. Peter is following along in the same lesson of Paul when he's saying let's not live the way we used to. Problem is is that a lot of people take the title Christian and they continue to live just as they did before they even you know made a commitment to the Lord or a quote unquote dedication of their life to the Lord. He says He says but for the will of God. You're, you're supposed to be living for the will of God. Time is always passing. How many of us, how many hours do we waste in a day on the lusts of men? Now, lust of men doesn't have to just be, you know, lusting the way we think of lusting. It could just be wasting it on the desires or the unhealthy, wicked desires of just mankind. Whatever you want, whatever satisfies you, how, how many hours do we waste on that? How many hours can we get wrapped up on I am? And it's funny because... Um, We'll get there in verse 3, but we don't spend enough time doing the things for the will of God. And we waste our time doing the things that are the lusts of men. We need to find out what the will of God is and do it. And how do we do that? Well, in Romans 12, one and 2, Gil had mentioned it before. I think Brian may have mentioned it. He says, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. It's your reasonable service. And he says, do not be conformed to this world. Don't be molded in the same shape of the world. Don't try to take on the appearance of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what is the acceptable and good, perfect will of God. I kind of jumbled that up there, but that's okay. How do we find out the will of God? Well, we don't conform to the world and say, okay, God, what do you want me to do? We transform ourselves by the renewing of our mind. And when our mind becomes the mind that Christ had, then we can find out the will of God. Jesus said, I don't do anything unless my Father wills me to do it. I'm not just do it here for myself. God sent me. I do what he tells me to do. And when we have the mind of Christ, we know the will of God and we do it. And we don't do the things that we, our flesh wants to do. We do the things that God wants us to do. For we have spent enough of our past lifetime, and I love how Peter, you can almost hear like his his fed-upness, that's a word that I just made up, but his fed-upness in in the way he's writing it. He's like, we've spent enough of our past lifetime in doing the will of the Gentiles. Now, now some of you may disagree, and you're like, man, I've just been surrounded by church since I was two, I haven't gone out there and done all the stuff that everybody says is so much fun, so why can't I just go out and experience some of it? You know why? Because it's a waste. Look at he's like, we walked in lewdness, lust, drunkenness revelries, drinking parties, and abominable idolatries, and we'll look at that. But we spend enough time. He's like, that, that stuff's over with. It's done. We waste so much time uh, doing the will of the Gentiles that we don't even look at what the will of God is for our lives. And, and he's challenging these people, and I believe it's a challenge to us. Our past lifetime, our old man, that's all we did. We filled ourselves up with what we wanted to do, with what was pleasing to our friends, or with what our friends Wanted us to do. Not what God's will was, but what my will. It's all about my will. I did it my way is a song that everybody loves. Because he did it his way, I guess. The, the walking in the Gentiles, it says, we walked in lewdness. Now, lewdness, sexual impurity, basically just living without any ba- boundaries at all. Just kind of doing whatever you want. Doesn't matter who you affect or, or who you come in contact with. Lust. We know we think of lust in a certain way, but it's not doesn't have to be just a sensual thing. It could be any unhealthy desire for power, for blood, for uh, pride, for money, whatever it is. You can lust after tons of things. It Doesn't have to just be a guy or a girl. And all these things are what the Gentiles. And he's saying we've already spent time in this, and you're like oh, I'm only twelve or thirteen or fourteen. I haven't done any of this stuff. Great, that's what God would rather your testimony be. You know, Gil talks about the truth and the song, My Story. He says, I don't have a horror story. I'm not going to try to wrap it. I'll just say the words in plain English because I'll sound stupid if I don't. I don't have a horror story. God kept me from my youth. I give him all the glory. He didn't go and live out his life and say, oh, I'm uh, going to get drunk. I'm going to sleep with everybody that I find. I'm going to shoot up any chance I get. And get saved out of that. And sometimes we can think like, oh, well, you know, I don't have a testimony. Our testimony is that God is so gracious that he kept us from destroying our bodies and ourselves and our minds and our brain cells because he had something better for us from the age of 13 on. Not like 27 and then you only have, you know, maybe 40 more years. 13, 14 years old. You have 50-something years to live your life for the Lord. To do the will of God. He's saying we've spent enough time. And we all waste time, obviously. It's just the thing that we do. Time is something you can never get back. We sit. It's funny, because winter retreats. And uh, it's like, chapel again? You actually hear people when we're walking down. I'm just like, oh, yeah, chapel. That's like why we came, isn't it? But kids don't. They're like, yeah, zip blind, woo. And they're like, man, the chapels are so long. I can't even stay awake. Well, why do you, like, you could be on IM, and it's, like, six o'clock at night, and then you look at the clock again, it's, like, 8.30. That's, that's, like, two times the length of chapels, and the Bible studies are at church, and all this stuff, and that goes like that. Why? Because it's going to be, the, the enemy's going to make it entertaining for you to do the things that aren't the will of God. Not that, like, going on the computer, God's, like, smiting you down, but some of the stuff that we do on the computer, obviously, God's not pleased with. But... When we're doing the will of God, the enemy tries to make that like the boring thing. Like, look, look what they're doing. The Gentiles, they're lewd. All right. Well, lewdness sounds really gross. Why would you want to be that way? But a lot of us are pretty lewd, and we don't even realize it. Drunkenness, self-explanatory, revelries. And the word revelry, it's not something that we use, but it basically has the idea of somebody who wanders around and just like partied all the time and is loud and you know, just carousing in the streets and just kind of like, you know, no inhibitions or or anything. Um, drinking parties, that's something that you deal with not only in secular high schools and co- football teams and all this stuff, but in Christian high schools, Christian colleges, they got drinking parties. People are like, you know, let's let's drink a lot of liquid and then we'll throw up the next day. It's going to be great. And like, when I... I could never be an alcoholic because when I throw up, I pop all the blood vessels in my face and I get purple dots. So people would be like, what were you doing? And I'm like, that's why I always say I could never be bulimic either because, well, obviously, but um, (laughs) I couldn't because it gives it away so easily. But people are like, yes, let's go out. Let's do the will of the Gentiles. And obviously we're all Gentiles unless, I mean, some of you in the room may be of Jewish descent, which is awesome. That's really cool. But we're basically Gentiles. So we could say, The unbelievers, basically. We all want to go out and we want to be like them. We want to conform to their image or their style or what they say is right. All the magazines. How to get a guy to like you. How to get a girl not to like you anymore. How to get a girl to, you know, scratch that girl's eyes out for you so you don't get in trouble. Or, I mean, there's just like, you look at the titles and you're like, what is this? And you guys are eating it up. And you're like, yeah, this is great. The bands that we listen to. Totally about getting accepted by the world before getting accepted by God. And we talked about it, and Brian talked about it, the fear of man. Gil talked about it today. Like, it's so much more important to, you know, make sure that the 13, 14-year-old friend that you have thinks you're cool than, you know, for God Almighty to allow you into heaven. Where's our like I don't know. Where are we putting like the the, the security of our future? In our friends who hate to break it to you, you're probably not going to hang out with the same friends once you get out of high school, college. It just doesn't work that way. When I was in junior high, and I see you're probably like, yeah, right, we're like so tight. I was in junior high, and people always used to say that, you know, you're not going to hang out with your friends that you did in junior high. And I was like, what? But we like, you know, we did the spit handshake and everything. We're like tight for life. Graduated from high school, gone. I was like, where are they? It was like when in a cartoon, when somebody runs away really fast, and it's just the smoke, of their, like, silhouette or whatever it is. That's what it was like. It was like, on. like all of a sudden, life is different. And you're like, whoa, what happened to you? All of a sudden, your friends are hanging out with these other people, and you're like, well, what's going on? You can't rely on friends. You can't rely on people. You have to rely on the will of God. That's why when we live our lives doing what other people want us to do, we're basically just living the life that they want to do, not what God wants for us. Um, drinking parties, abominable, abominable idolatries, that's just... A lot of, you know, a lot of idol worship in the Old Testament and in the New Testament involved some really just abominations, sexual perversion and criminal acts that even if you weren't like a God-fearing person, they'd still think it was kind of weird. Like even if you're an unbeliever, some of the, the idolatry that was going on, the people are like, that's really bad. And they're not even like Christians. And that's the things that Peter's saying, we, we had all that and it left us empty. It didn't give us anything. It says, in regard to these, and this is where we can start to look at it and really apply it to us. They think it's strange that you do not run with them in the same flood of dissipation. And I like the King James, because you know what it says? The same excess of riot. They're like, what? You mean you don't want to go clubbing with us? Not that you guys go clubbing. I mean, it's like golf clubbing or something. The, whatever you guys do. When I was in junior high and senior high, I played guitar. That was basically all I did. I, I, told, I was talking to Paul and uh, a couple of the guys. I was like, when I was in junior high, I talked to the servant leaders. They weren't called servant leaders back then, but I didn't talk to the kids because they were like annoying to me. Mm-hmm. Thankfully, you guys aren't as annoying to me as junior high kids were when I was in junior high. I don't know. I'm just an old soul, I guess. I'm like, turn that music down. You know, get a haircut. No, I'm just kidding. But that's what I was like in junior high. I was like, these kids are weird. I'd rather talk to the adults. So, people thought I was strange to begin with. You're playing worship? And Gil, he may have told you guys before, I'm doing worship and I'm in like eighth grade. People were kind of like, I guess it's kind of cool he's playing guitar, but why does he want to do that? Why does he want to like sing the songs that that old guy sings? Like, that's just not cool. And you know what? Who cares? I didn't have friends. I did have some friends. They were just really weird. Um... (laughs) We really thought we were cool. There was like a, a click. And then I look back at us and I'm just like, oh my gosh. That's so painful. Like we really thought we were like in. And I don't know why I didn't realize is that people were like making fun of us behind our backs and stuff. But, um, but that's okay because those friends were the friends that I was saying that I was going to be friends with for life with. Then I graduated from high school and they're not my friends anymore. So, oh well. They think it's strange that you do not run with them in the same flood of dissipation, speaking evil of you. Yo, man, Friday night, here it comes. Where are you going? What mall are we cruising? What ladies are we picking up? What ladies are we going to think we can pick up, but when they turn us down, they're like, oh, they're just ugly. That's why they turned us down. (laughs) What are we going to do? I'm going to youth group. Youth what? Youth group? What are you talking about? Student ministries? What are you? You're going to school again? It's Friday night. What are you doing? No, I'm going to my church. Church is open on Friday night? I thought it was Sundays. Yo, check this thing out, man. I found this website, and they have all these cool videos. And some of them are, like, kind of racy. No, man, I don't want to look at that. What do you do on the internet? I don't know. I, I find Christian bands that are like the secular bands that I used to like. And try to, you know, find some of the Christian music that's kind of similar so I can enjoy it. What? Christian music is stupid, and some of you all believe that, which is a shame, because there's a lot of Christian music that I think you guys could get into. But how many of you maybe have already experienced the fact that you're like, yeah, I'm going to go to church, or yeah, I go to a Christian school, or yeah, I'm going on a retreat. To somebody who's not a Christian, to say, yeah, I'm going on a retreat, that word isn't in their vocabulary. It sounds like a history lesson, and they retreated from the battlefield. They think you're weird. And what I'm trying to tell you guys is, great. Because it's not about, and this is what we've been talking about, and it's funny how God works these things out. It's not about what people think of you. You know why? Because they don't even know what to think about themselves at the time. They're always changing. I know I changed my hair color and blah, blah, blah. But they're always changing the way they look because they don't even know what they're talking about. So why do you want to, like, focus on what they think? Because they don't even know, they don't have a clue half the time. We need to worry about what God thinks of us. Not only does he have a clue, but he leaves us, you know, all the answers in his word. People are like, it's hard to be a Christian. Not really. It may be hard, you know, to lose some of the friends that you like. It may be hard to give up some of the sins that you've grown so accustomed to. But it's not really hard to be a Christian. It's actually a lot better. You don't have to wake up with hangovers anymore. You don't have to, you know, explain to the doctor why they can't get a good vein anymore. That's because you shoot, you guys don't know about that, which is good. You don't have to explain to your girlfriend why you were with this other girl. Or your boyfriend, why you're with this other boy. It's not that hard. Somebody said... I forget, sorry. I, I, I had a lot of conversations... And I can't, you know, give you the credit for talking to you and telling me this thing. But somebody said, like, it's just easier to tell the truth because you don't have to remember. Oh, Kevin said it. (laughs) Kevin Ryan. He's like, he, he talked to a guy and he's like, I'm really lazy. And lazy people have to tell the truth because it's too much work to lie. It really is. Now, Kevin didn't say that. Somebody, he heard. So Kevin's not lazy. But the person he was talking to was. So it was just kind of funny. It's not, it's actually harder. Because you're like, man, I have to, like, find purpose for life every single day. Well, when you're a Christian, you have your purpose for life. It's Jesus Christ. But people think you're weird. Wait a minute. Warren Beers- Wearsby Warren has a quote that I like. It says Unsaved people do not understand the radical change that their friends experience when they trust Christ and become children of God. They don't think it's strange when people wreck their bodies, destroy their homes, and ruin their lives by running from one sin to another. But let a drunkard become sober or an immoral person pure, and the family thinks he's lost his mind. I mean, isn't that true of our society today? Yeah, there's Johnny out on the, the rocks going, mmm, dreadlocks, uh, you know, swallowing rags, only eats uh, hummus and, and things that are like from organic. And, you know, that's just him. I mean, he's a little out there. Johnny gets saved. You're crazy! Go back to that. Joe Foch always says his parents were fine with all the different things. Once he became a Christian, they're like, oh no. What's next? Aliens? What's he going to be like talking about now? It's interesting how that works. People love you when you're doing stuff with them that's destroying your life. But once you like get something that actually has purpose and meaning, all of a sudden you're just really weird. Now... You may think I'm weird, which I really don't care. Um, Because God doesn't think I'm weird. Well, maybe he does sometimes, but... (laughs) Not that I've gotten this down, but... You know, some junior high kids, I I talk to them, and they're like... I'll, like, goof around them, because I get kind of... Not punchy, but I don't know what the phrase is, but... I get kind of goofy sometimes, and it's out of the blue. Like, I'll be pretty chilled out, and then all of a sudden I'm like, Hey! Hi! My name's Jeff. Who are you? And they look at me like... (sighs) And I'm so glad that my life doesn't, like, begin and end on what a junior hire thinks of me. Because if it did, I would have quit a long time ago. Sorry, it's the truth. Because, <laughs> I mean, I get looks. I get, you know, people like, whoops, oh well. I love, I don't know, I love making you guys look at me funny. I don't know why, it's just something that I love. If I say something to somebody, and it's funny, when I talk to people, like, I know them. Because I know a lot of your names, even if we've never had a conversation being under Gil is just really cool because you learn more names than you ever thought you could tell because you're, just, it's old, you're always around the kids and I'm like, hey, what's up? And I say their full name and they're like, who is that? And it's great because then it's like, oh, well, he knows me. That's kind of weird. But anyway, sidetracked as usual. He's saying they think you're weird speaking evil of you and they will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. I need a little t- clock here so I know what I'm doing. Don't worry that they're making fun of you. Don't be like, oh no, I can't wear this Christian t-shirt because if somebody sees me wearing it, they're going to be like, what does that mean? And I'm going to have to talk about it and they're going to be like, you're a loser. And they're going to be like, I know, oh, this is awful. It's like, who cares? Why do we care about when people judge us? He says... You know what? Don't worry about them. They're going to talk bad about you, whether they like you or not. People like you, and they still diss you. You could be your best friend, and they're like, you know what? You need to lose some weight. They're like, oh, whoa. I may have heard that more than you guys, but... Or they're like, you know what? I don't really like what you did there. It wasn't funny. They're like, dude, you're my best friend. Like, yeah, that's why I'm giving it to you straight. It's like people talk bad. They speak evil of you. It doesn't matter. It could be your best friend, and then you do something that's stupid, and then they're, all of a sudden somebody else is your best friend, and they're like, that person. Who cares? You know why? Because if they're not a believer, if they don't put their faith in, the, in Christ, it says they will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. You may be judged by men, but they're going to be judged by God. So instead of being like, oh no, they don't like me, maybe you should say, oh no, the reason they don't like me is because they don't like the God that I love, and I need to pray for that person, So then they're not judged for eternity. That's the way we should be looking at it. You should feel sorry for the people that don't like you. Not just because you're so cool and they should get to know you, but because if you are getting dissed or shunned or made fun of because of the God that you serve and love, then they're missing out. And they have no point of existence. They have no hope in anything. That's why they're filling themselves up with all the different sins that are listed here. You need to pray for them. Don't be like, oh no, maybe I should be like them. No, you need to be like, they need my prayers more than anything. They need me to be, continue to be the example of a Christian to them. So that they will come and stand before the Lord and will say, you know, why should I let you in? Not that this is an exact biblical, biblical scenario, but... And they'll say, you know what? I lived my life for myself for years. But I saw Christians. Not the phony church people that said one thing and did another. But I saw real God-fearing, Christ-loving people. And the hope that they had. And even though I used to make fun of them because I thought they were weird and crazy. When their parents got divorced. Or their grandparents died. And they had hope through all that pain when they were diagnosed themselves with an illness, and they didn't just commit suicide from the despair of that, when they dealt with issues that I could never deal with, and they put their hands in the life of this Jesus guy, I was like, man, i got to get to know this God. Because they have something that I don't have. When we think of people that aren't saved, people that are going to make fun of us, That's how we need to think. We need to pray for them because, sure, they're going to judge us. That's between them and God because God's going to judge them if they don't turn from their sin. For this reason, he's saying because they're going to get judged if they don't turn, for this reason, the gospel was preached also to those who are dead, that they might be judged according to men in the flesh but live according to God in the spirit. Now, this is speaking of those who have now passed away. There's no second chances once you die. But what he's saying is the gospel was preached to people that have now passed away. And sure, they've died in the flesh. They've been judged according to their sin of just all mankind. And death entered the world because of sin. But you know what? They're going to live according to God in the spirit. And that's a great thing. He's saying because there's this judgment coming, we need to preach the gospel. You don't just say, oh, you think I'm stupid? Well, then fine. I'm going to heaven and you're not. Ha, 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 No. You reach out to them. You preach the gospel. And you don't have to just be like, you know, if you don't get saved, you're going to hell. You can preach the gospel in being a woman of character, a man of integrity. When they have an opportunity to cheat on a test, you say, no, I'm not going to do that. But I got the answers right here. No, I'm not going to do that. Hey, check this magazine I found in my dad's garage. No, I'm not going to look at that. I don't want to look at that. Yo, my parents are away, the liquor cabinet's unlocked, we can just get a little buzz, it's going to be great, we're going to be like real grown-ups. No, I'm not going to do that. I don't want to mess up with the brain cells that I already have few of. I don't want to do that. I don't want to mess with my thinking or, or get intoxicated by anything the world has to offer. And when they see that, sure, they may be like, what a loser, he has no idea how to have fun. There's going to be a day when they're going to look at you and say, Wow. All that alcohol that I've been drinking and having come back up on me, it's never really filled a void. All the girlfriends and boyfriends that I've had, it's never really filled that love that I need. But they seem content. And it's going to be, not only are you going to be hopefully preaching the gospel by using words, but by living your life. Sacrifice to the Lord. Okay with suffering. You know what? If we suffer, Christ suffered. No servant is greater than his master. He said, "The world hated me, so they're going to hate you too." The people that didn't believe in Jesus, they weren't like, "Okay, you're pretty cool." They were like, "Kill him." So, why do we want those very people to be like, "We love you. You're so great. Yeah, you're a Christian whatever, but, you know, you're just so cool." No. He's like, "You know what?" People aren't going to like you. Sorry, but you can pray for them. There's going to be suffering. There's going to be trials. And that may be hard for you to think of, especially in high school. You're like, it's going to be junior high was tough enough. Adolescence. you're going to tell me it's getting worse. For some of you, it may get a lot worse. That's why you find the will of God for your life. You know that you're in his will. You'll be at peace. Even if everybody else's will is for you to do whatever they want you to do. When you're in God's will, you'll know I'm exactly where I need to be. It doesn't matter what other people want me to do, but I'm where I need to be. Uh, Verse 7. Try to pick it up here. Peter says, But the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. At hand basically means imminent. We must live, and he says, serious, not foolish not goofing around. Now that not 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 to say, you know, you can't have fun, you can't laugh. But there are times to be serious and there are times to be goofy. And more often than not, we don't know when those times are. We can't distinguish the two. And I'm not putting anybody down for that because half the time I'm like that. People are praying and I'm I walk into a room and I'm like, <laughs> "Oh. You know, I just I'm oblivious sometimes. We can all make that mistake. But when you're in here and the Bible's open and we're praising the Lord, it's not time to be like, yo, knock, knock. (laughs) Not that any of you tell knock, knock jokes because they're old, but there are times to be serious. And he's like, listen, Christ can come at any moment. Why are you goofing around? There's people that don't know about the love of Christ. Why are you claiming to be a Christian and goofing off and being foolish with your time when there are people dying and going to hell? And Peter's not, you know, he's not being sugar-coated and watered down. He's saying, the end of all things is, is coming. It's, it's imminent. That means it's going to come. It, may, it doesn't, may not mean it's going to come tomorrow, but you never know when it's going to come, so you always have to be ready for it. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. How would we change our lives if we knew Christ was coming tonight? I asked that question to myself and I'm like uh, 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 uh somebody asked me that question if Christ was coming tonight would you be okay with that if Christ was to come while you're doing that would you be able to explain yourself and you're like God don't come back yet I'm not ready I know I'm safe but I need to get these things in order well don't why do we wait to get those things in order to be watchful to be prepared, to be ready for those things. It's very important. Especially, look at the, the culture that we're in. If you know anything about biblical prophecy, and we went through the book of Revelation on Sunday morning, it's not like we're getting farther away from the return of Jesus. We're getting closer. That's the way time works. You get to an end. Here, if I was on a timeline and I said, you know, 2002... 2001 is a lot closer than 1994. And that's, where, that's the way it, we're closer to the return of Christ than any generation before us. Because that's just the way time is. So why are we, in some ways, a generation that is less focused on Christ coming back and taking the believers home than some of the people? They were ready then. I think somebody had said it while we were here. But Paul was like, Jesus is coming back. I think Gil hit on it a little bit. He's like, you know, everybody stay single because Jesus is coming back right now. Like he's just, gonna, they all expected it to happen. And we kind of forget that Jesus said, yeah, I'm coming back. You're never going to know when it's going to be. But when I come, I'm going to take those that love me home. And we live a lot of times like Jesus would never come back for us. And the things in my own life, sometimes I'm like, hey, Jeff, this is my, my impression of my wife. Hey, Jeff, can you pick up that laundry and take it downstairs and put it while I wash the dishes? (coughs) Yeah. Why couldn't you wait for the commercial? Or whatever. You know, Jesus shows up and I'm like, oh, I was getting the laundry. I'm, I'm sorry. Now, that's never happened. We have a perfect marriage. But, um. How would you live? What would you change? And it's sobering to think about. God's coming back tonight. Are you ready? Are you praying for those that are making fun of you for being a Christian? Are you praying for the people in your family? And this is a challenge to me as well as to you. It's a challenge to all of us.